Hello, and welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. Your favorite German, Roland. And I'm Tony. So how did the um, Bloodlines Fort thing turn out? Like, were you guys ever able to get it running or functional in any meaningful way? We have been talking the last couple of weeks about doing a fortress that we pass amongst the three of us and detailing on the website, maybe in the um, in the podcast, the actions that happen in that in that fortress. I got it running on my old. See, I only have one dedicated Windows computer right now, and it is a laptop from 2011. I guess that I'm going to eventually get a new computer and and get a new, a more modern one. But in any case, that one it ran it, but it was flopping between 20 frames per second and two frames per second. So I don't know if that is actual FPS stuff, but it is. Uh, it has got to be pretty close. And it surprises me because I have never had any problem with a fort that has been less than. Actually, I've never had any problem with any forts, and I've. I'm. I know that I've gotten them to be bigger and more complicated than the one that you presented me with. So I'm wondering if my computer just can't handle the MEF tile set. I think it's more likely that it's the um, thousand fifty years of history. Yeah, probably that cause yeah. problems because I notice even on my computer with an SSD and stuff, when it goes to save, it's just like, okay, well, um, I guess if you needed to go get something done, go now's the time. So that's a thing that I noticed. What does the ten fifty years actually buy us? A lot of time, I guess. <laughs> a lot of history. It's pretty right. cool if you go into legend. I mean, what does it actually get us? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think it. It gives the ages a time to, you know, because it's like the age of the unicorn, the age of the phoenix or whatever. That kind of flips around based on whichever titans, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, whichever titans tightening the most at, the, at that moment. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> so okay. um, my, my, my semi-correct knowledge will come in here. Um, as far as I know, Obviously, having a longer history results in having a longer history and more stuff has happened. And yes, the times will like change over time and uh, it will be called like Age of Legends, Age of the Mountain Titans or whatever. And uh, the Mountain Titans don't have to be very active in what they're doing. They just have to have the most followers. Because people can start cults around Titans when the biggest cult has the possibility of like changing the current history going on. And the only way to get into the next century is to basically kill that exact Titan. Obviously, if you are playing in an old world and that Titan has been tightening around the world for, uh, let's say, 1,050 years, that guy has a bit of scars, but also is quite good at fighting now. So uh, you might want to reconsider doing that. But I'm, I'm currently playing in an older world right now. I have made also a old world just to test out if my launcher is actually more stable with the old world, and it seems that he is for some reason, I don't know why, but anyway, you have more visitors 
and you have more travelers because more has happened and for some reason more people decided to go out and wander and become adventurous so my tavern is way more filled than ever and also you have just less titans going on because in a thousand fifty years many of them died but on the other hand you have more zombies more necromancers more vampires and in my current world it's interesting because i only have one wear curse which is a wear moose and ah, there's love it. yeah love yeah and there's nothing else but wear moose and just wear moose perhaps we should try at least for our first game uh that we're doing this bloodline game maybe we should try a, a 250 year world and see if my computers can handle that any better yeah that actually would go a bit better yeah let's do that i'll have the dwarves assigned right away to build that world awesome is a bloodline game a generic term for what we're talking about doing or is that the proper name for our world that we are doing well normally bloodline games are just the sharing of worlds but usually you play as long as one specific dwarf is your mayor you know like bloodline you are the dwarf mayor and as soon as the mayor dies or he gets like some uh, somebody else gets elected then you give it uh, away because normally you just have a bit more time to play playing by years is also fine and I don't think that it has any other words for it. Okay. I like the idea yeah, of perfect. doing the playing by year for the main reason that if we do it by a year, I think it will give me a chance to more often see the improvements and the changes that you you two have made to the <laughs> to the fortress. And you know, you guys may look and see what I did to your precious world and kick me out of the out of the game. But I think that's half the fun though. Um, yeah, just kind of seeing what happens, like, because I, I think for the for the ten fifty experiment, you know, I was able to, and, and luck plays a huge part of it because right away I found some kind of a flux stone and then a lot of iron, so I was like, ooh, jackpot, steel industry. So even at the end of that first year, I'd already been able to get us a semi thriving steel industry, mm. which. In other embarks, I've never managed to do in the whole time. You know, I end up with crappy copper and goblinite, basically. Okay, well, that's good to hear because I saw that you had a steel industry going after the first year, and I'm thought, oh my god, this guy is an incredible player. That was an anomaly, huh? Oh yeah, no, I am an incredible <laughs> player. Let's just be clear about that. That's all this is. I was just joking about that luck stuff. No, it's skill. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. flux flux stones a pain in the neck because I feel like either your embark has it or it doesn't, and then you've got to like go dig down almost to the caverns or whatever to find marble, which I guess is like the universal flux or something. But um, whatever I found in that one, I can't even remember what it was called. But um, I was like, well, oh probably man, probably marble. <laughs> no, it was something else. Um, it was one of the other flux variants that now I've totally spaced. Oh, oh on that note. Right. Slight diversion. I was at a, a gem and rock show with one of my kids and, you know, he was talking, this older guy was talking to one of my kids and he's like, see, this is what I mean. 
kids today should be in here experiencing things. You don't learn about rocks, gems, and minerals from video game. And I just wanted to be like, actually, <laughs> let me tell you a little something about one game that I play because uh, I know what hematite is. Roland, you talked about Dwarf Fortress tournaments that you read about. What? Um, yeah, <laughs> this is a uh, Reddit thing, I think. And it didn't happen last year, I think. It, it happened before that. What is Dwarf Fortress tournament is basically the element of PvP in our game. So you make kind of an adventurer. You, you go like, I want to play a Ratman and I want uh, him to have a bit of dodger and a bit of shield user and blah, blah, blah. And you can also go ahead and say, I want him to have, let me see, I iron short sword and a iron helm or whatever. And there are rules how much you can spend on points, you know. I think you you have to stay in line with the demigod stuff and uh, that comes with the normal adventurer. So you you make this adventurer and then you take the base stats from your adventure and give it to someone that hosts the DF tournament. The old guy that usually did it uh, is now not able to do it. So two others took it up and you send your adventurer to them and they will cage your adventurer. So your adventurer will be recreated and then put into the Dwarf Fortress testing area with other adventurers. And then they will fight against each other to the death. I remember there was even kind of betting going on, like people <laughs> betting on their, uh, on their adventurers. Quite amazing stuff come out. Last year, there was some really funny stuff going on. I remember someone uh, having a recluse Spider-Man or something. Those are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, and he just equipped him with shields. And <laughs> that, that guy had, uh, I don't know, like six shields or more, but no no wep weapon, if I remember correctly. Um, he, he wanted his Spider-Man to just bite people and uh, thought that the six shields would give enough protection for, for the Spider-Man to be like an immovable object, which worked fine, but he completely forgot to add stamina and that Spider-Man got exhausted really, really quickly, uh, collapsed to the ground and got ripped to shreds by somebody else. Whoopsie. I was going to say the Spider-Man is really fun to play in adventure mode because when you're battling, you can like grab somebody with your mid left arm and then <laughs> you can like grab their jaw with your mid left arm and with your lower right arm, you can grab their head and you can wrestle them like that. And then you also have a sword in your upper left and your upper right or whatever. And so you can just basically be this chopping grappling machine. It's pretty fun. I like that class a lot. You can have a lot of fun if you uh, play a very strong Spider-Man with a legendary wrestler. That is the fun of ages. Yeah. 
I wanted to actually uh, make my adventure this tournament, but I think I missed the deadline actually. Okay, hold on a second. I got to escort my cats again. Huh? Run! <laughs> Run! <laughs> I hope this doesn't get cut. Yeah. I think they're a little more calm. They've decided that the wrestling match needs to happen in my office today. Yeah, so I guess we were saying the, the rules and, and how it all kind of fits together and not really sure about. Maybe maybe we should talk to that guy who's running. I bet, I bet, I bet that person knows. By the time this airs, it'll be over. Uh, Morpheus Darkwater is the person who made the, the post for the fourth annual Gladiator Tournament is open for sign up. So cool. That was only two days ago. So you might want to check again, Roland to see if the deadline is indeed passed, because if they made the initial post two days ago, surely the, uh, the sign up isn't passed yet. Oh yeah. I, I see. It's, uh, I just, uh, saw Saturday, but it's not this Saturday. Okay. Good. Week, from, week from yesterday. Yeah. Mm hmm. So yeah, you should have time to to get in then. Oh, and uh, for betting, you start with one hundred gold coins. You can only bet on one gladiator. Um, the amount you bet is absolutely up to you. And then a spreadsheet will uh, calculate your winnings if you win. So I'm seeing Morpheus Darkwater. Is Morpheus and Darkwater two different uh, people, and they're posting this as a as a as a unit, or is Morpheus Darkwater a single entity? It's the combined organizational. Uh, yes, there was a uh, hostile takeover of the Morpheus account by Darkwater merged into <laughs> Morpheus Darkwater is one user. Somebody else is running it too. I saw I'm looking for their name so that I can shout them out. Yeah. It could be that it's jbg Why would you take that name? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I can't pronounce it. It's like... Um, I have the post from uh, the, the poster. The poster about the tournament. Ah, okay. Which has a giant happy man in front. The, the poster just says hosted by Morpheus Darkwater. Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, if the poster is is anything to judge by, then it's just Morpheus Darkwater who's hosting it this year. So thank you, Morpheus Darkwater. We will uh, follow this, and yeah, we'll have to see if we can get him on the on the podcast and uh, to talk about to talk about it. That would be, uh, <laughs> be really interesting to, to to hear a report on. Interview of the champions. The yeah. Right. Hey, you know what? Seriously, yeah, we could get uh, like the the winner on, or maybe the finalists on, and they can talk about their their death match, like the adventurer himself or the guy that made it. <laughs> the guy that made the adventure, yeah. Oh, I thought we would actually get like uh, a tiger man, and he's like, "I am uh, the slayer of beasts, uh, Rita uh, Bionet. My name is." Um, I've slain many foes before. It would be cool to actually have a, you know, alpaca man on here, but I don't know if those really exist. 
Well, I would definitely voice him, but then I would only speak in like the usual Dwarf Fortress stupid stuff. Like, how was your day? German, and yeah. Just speak in German. That's fine. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, but then then it's like weird when you ask me a question and uh, I go like, yeah, ich hatte wirklich einen schönen Tag. And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. It sounds <laughs> awesome. Maybe it'll buy me some breathing room on the, because uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'm I'm working on a fort. That's that I'm trying to have as many residents in the fort as people downloading the episodes. I saw that. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, a good German episode would maybe help you know, give me some breathing room because it might not be downloaded very much. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to our German. It'll be it'll be huge host. in Germany, though. <laughs> Listen, and- yeah, it'll be huge. Bigger than Hasselhoff. Yep. And- oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um- yeah, I don't, I don't know. I actually saw just one post on the subreddit that was made in German, um, but fantastic. And um, the the whole comment section was probably as just full of Germans flocking into that post. Like, ich mag auch die Zwergenfestungen. I was like, oh god, okay. I'm uh, doing something. I've started something a little new on the website and I put a link in our, uh, in our menu on the website to a diary of my newest fortress. And it was kind of inspired by a mix between uh, brave mule and what I was reading with a, a boat murdered. We also had talked about the fact that actually trying to do a diary in the voice of one of your dwarves might help you get into the dwarves head a little bit better. And mm-hmm. I, I do think that I'm, I'm finding that is the case because now I am going back and checking for uh, his feelings for each entry that each diary entry that I make, whenever something significant happens, you know, even minorly significant, I am putting it in a diary entry for that day. And for most of them, I'm also checking to see, uh, you know, what he's feeling that day. Like I was annoyed because I am not drinking from goblets. This guy that I'm following is my, embark leader and he's the bookkeeper and he's also the the broker i've gotten through maybe six months <laughs> whenever i planned carefully my embark i screwed up and didn't bring an axe oops <laughs> so we can't cut that any tree trees. with your head yeah Smash we were able to tear head. apart the wagon and and turn that into some beds because this is not the first fortress in this world we didn't start at the normal starting time for an embark, like the beginning of the year. So I had to wait a little bit longer. I'm there was no dwarven caravan in the winter. I don't have an elven caravan that didn't come in the spring. So we ran out of alcohol and things are not going the best right now for this fortress, but it is very entertaining and, and fun to be writing about it on a entry by entry basis in the, in the head of one of my dwarves. So, that's called Bodice Ransack is huh. the name of the, uh, the fortress. And eventually, if the, if the fortress makes it long enough to settle out a little bit, because of the name that the system chose for it, Bodice Ransack, we're going to be dressmakers. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> I actually had to look up what a bodice was. I thought that it was the actual human part 
of the upper part of the dress. But no, it's the actual part of the dress. See, you know, you just learn so much. You just learn so darn much with this game. Now, you'd never have known that otherwise. So looking forward to that. And I suppose that for our Bloodline Fortress, we'll do something similar with that. Um, probably closer to the boat murdered. Yeah, I mean, I was just keeping a day-to-day journal in, in, um, in one of my favorite text editors that I'm very passionate about called notepad.exe on Windows. <laughs> Seems to have done the trick. Okay. Yeah, I would uh, also make it like a day-to-day thing or at least week-to-week. Day-to-day, week-to-week game time or? Game time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit of writing, obviously, if you do it like day-to-day in game time. A week-to-week thing would be way easier and then your journal entries could be a bit longer because it's just about the whole week i would probably pick out one dwarf i like and then write out of his eyes about the fortress it doesn't even have to be uh, someone in a higher position so not especially the mayor so i could for example if uh, our dwarves get like a bit grumpy and he decides to scream at the mayor, I could actually write, I screamed at the mayor today. That was satisfying. Yeah, I was taking it on um, what I thought, and maybe this is just me inserting myself too much. I'm not sure. But I was just taking it on things like, um, on what I saw as like key points that happened, like, Today, a caravan of elves came, and those jerks complained that our stuff was stored in wood barrels and stormed off in a huff. I really hate those elves, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, or when a, when a caravan arrived or whatever, or migrants arrived, that was always really exciting as well. So, I mean, I was just kind of pegging it on key, well, on stuff that I found interesting. And that's what I'm doing with Bodice Ransack as well. Um, yeah, right on. It's it's not necessarily day to day or even week to week. In fact, there was a period of a month that I went without making a journal entry because all I was doing was mining and waiting for a caravan to arrive. So nothing particularly interesting happened until I realized the caravan wasn't coming, and then I made an entry uh, out of despair of my of my leader saying things aren't going well. We're out of alcohol. Uh oh. We talked about my fortress, um, Bodice Ransack. For some reason, I just love saying that. It's such a such a fun name. <laughs> that was. I, I like having the system pick my fortress name because it will shape things into something that I would never have even thought to do. Yeah, so. it's way better. So, Tony, you opened the pits of hell this week, and everybody died. Did you start a new one after that? Yeah, so the whole, like that world, that fort, I, I embarked on a waterfall, which is always kind of a risky thing from an FPS death perspective, but I felt like my system was up to the challenge. And so it was going fine. So I had multiple Z levels. So I had like a one Z level that was like 10 below the embark. So it's sort of like a river up top and a huge waterfall. So what I was going to do is build at the top of the waterfall on the land build the fortress down and then 
take some of the river, channel it off, and then have a traps hull so I could have like the toilet flush into a waterfall that drained down below um, and flush out all the stuff. Um, but unfortunately, no one ever came to raid before I cracked into the pits of hell on that one. So, whoops. And then, um, yeah, so that one really unfortunately never got off the ground, which is a shame because I kind of like the world. But you live and you learn, right? Um, and so the new one that I'm working on, I'm like I said earlier, I'm trying to get it to have as many residents as I can absolutely possibly reasonably get. Um, and I've got it set to right now in the world, in the fort, still really young. And I've got my FPS set to 350 and it's still doing great with that. Um, like everyone's just sort of like frantically running. Anytime you do anything, it's just like instant. They just jump to it. So that's pretty cool. So I'm going to kind of watch how it slows down and um, just see how big this fort can get. I'm optimistic that I can get at least 500. We'll see. Hmm. Roland, have you uh, been working on the fort this week? Yeah. I got really inspired by a certain fortress by a certain man. He built into the water. And I thought, like, I can do that too. Yeah, so, so I did that, and it, it, it worked great. I was amazed by it, how easy it actually is to build, like, a giant platform in the water and then make your fortress on that platform. And, okay, so a little bit I dug down so I can have the subterranean farm plots, okay? Yeah. Hmm. Right. But mostly because you can actually not uh, make any crops when you are in the ocean biome. So you can't make farm plots on that platform. It doesn't work. I tried it out. It's it's really sad, but it just doesn't. And yeah, it, it's super fun because now I don't have really so much space to work with and everything is kind of crammed and small. And, and uh, I really struggle with uh, making rooms for my dwarves. Uh, currently, they are, I, I don't know, I'm like five years in now, and they still are living in a dormitory. All of them, like my 110 dwarves or something, are living <laughs> all in the dormitory. And I have not at all enough beds for that. Uh, so they... Yeah, they they sometimes grump about that, like, nah, I want beds, and I'm like, sorry, I don't have space for that, because all the wood <laughs> I get is basically just going into constructing more space on the platform. And a, a, a friend of mine saw that and was like, oh, you make a boat, and I was like, oh, I'm making a boat. I'm making a boat. Yeah, and now I'm trying to figure out how to make it look like a boat. So I will actually try to make it look like a boat. So with with sails and everything, like a real wooden boat. Of course, I mean it's it's not a boat. There's a shaft down into the stone layer I can build, and there are also uh, things I worked on. Uh, on the sea bottom, whenever the ocean froze, I just dug down and tried to make a glass greenhouse on the ocean bottom. And that, that worked. 
So I try to do two. One is actually ready. So my dwarves can go in. This is a place where they get sand to, to have like a sand industry, like glass industry. And I will try to make like, maybe I will put something there. I'm not sure what, because my terrain is supposed to be on the boat somewhere down there. I will think about that. Maybe I will just make it like the burial ground. Hmm. And then when it's all full, I can just reflood it. Huh. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. The uh, the other greenhouse actually has some kind of problem because I the, the something shattered the roof and now it's full of water. I don't know what happened, but mm, it shouldn't have. I also tried to make a well, but I I I I don't know what happened, but it always was salty water. And um I tried to pump it. Because when you pump salt water, it becomes clean water, you know? And I like real life. Yeah, exactly right. Just, hmm. But it didn't work. I don't know. My my screw pump uh, had spew out clean water, but like a millisecond after, when it hit the ground, it got salty again. And I know that any cavern that has salt water in it will forever have salt water in it but it never had salt water in it so i got really confused hmm. oh yeah um just a quick thing because uh, the update notes say said anything about mounts yes yes that is Mm -hmm. cool but while that is cool there was also petting of your pets in it oh that's things that that's the change that we needed and that's really that's what i think is going to bring this whole steam thing all together yeah and you know that there is also the thing in that you can basically pet anything any okay maybe you shouldn't pet like the zombie tiger because he will not like that, but there is yeah, the the possibility of you going up to any animal and patting it on the head, and that is just the most beautiful thing I've ah, my my heart. I will totally make an adventure and only sneak around until I like see people sleeping and then just pat them on the head when they sleep, so they don't get aggressive and try to hurt me because I touched them. Just like in real life. Um, yeah. yeah, it sounds <laughs> like we've got a premise for an after-school special here. <laughs> it's Roland's version of that Dave Matthews video where he just walks out and hugs everyone he sees on the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Terrifying. Ah, lovely. And now you can actually have dogs and pet dogs. Like, ah, oh, thank you, Grandmaster Toady. <sighs> All right. Well, this Christmas is going to be more exciting. I'm I'm betting the the Steam release is going to be out by the holidays. That's no. my. Oh, I, I think I it is. I'm sure. I will be happy if the Dwarf Fortress Classic uh, release that's got to happen before they even start working on the Steam thing gets released by Christmas. I don't know, man. I think I feel like forty four thirteen is coming any day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be 4513. Any day. Any day. 
I love your optimism. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Uh, you can catch us on the internet at dfroundtable.com. Catch all of our episodes. And um, yeah, we'll be back talking to you again in a couple weeks. And until next time, everybody have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section of this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music is Sky Q. Ellen, composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.com. You can find a link in the show notes.